The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Let me pray, and let's get into the Word. Father, thank you for the Word of God, for the Holy Spirit, who is here today to take the things of Christ and reveal them to us. Open our hearts and minds to the Word, and let me speak as of the oracles of God and minister with the ability which God supplies. I thank you, Father, that the ears of the people are open, their hearts are receptive to receive the uh, the the unchangeable, ever-living Word of God. And we just look forward to what you have for us today and give you all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You can be seated. And we will get back into the, the Word. I, I would like to, to tell you that this is the way my mind works as a teacher. Uh, <clears throat> I began to... When I when I started my TV program back in 2017, I've been slowly and steadily teaching through all of my material that I've accumulated over 40 years of preaching. Now, it doesn't look like it, but um, I've been saved for 50 years. And I've been preaching for 40 years. And I've been traveling for 30 years. And so all of the material, the revelations and the messages, I saved them all along and and I've been teaching through that material since my, my daily television program started. And in, in about 2019, the end of 2019, all through 2020, I had reached the faith portion of my teaching. And I began to restudy faith, and I'd preached faith my whole life, but I began to accumulate, uh, gather material on faith. I listened to recordings and I read books and I studied and got all my notes together and I had all this information on faith and it's massive. There's a lot of, of uh, material in the Bible on the subject of faith. It's very important to God that we learn how to believe Him because our, our experience with God is going to be limited by our faith. And so um, as, I, as I did that, and, and this is what I do with anything that I study, I get all this information together and I begin to read it, meditate on it, and let it sort of gel and digest it. And in my experience, the message of faith can be boiled down to three points or three questions. And if you can answer these, define these three points, you'll have a working knowledge of the subject of faith. And this is just the way I've studied. It helps me to put things in categories that way you can manage it better. But number one, how faith comes. It's important, and we've really been on that most of the week, how faith comes. And we know the simple answer is faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So you, we must understand that how faith comes. Number two, what faith is. And the simple answer for that is faith is believing in the heart, and confessing with the mouth. Or I say it's an inward conviction, it's an outward expression. And then number three, how to release your faith. So when you really understand how faith comes, what faith is, and how to release your faith, then the, the principles of faith will make more sense to you, and you'll, you'll use them more in your life. So uh, I just want to give that to you as an exhortation to to study these things and, and learn, learn the faith message. Learn, learn how, how God expects for us to believe and, and um, take on faith projects. As I said last night, if you're not believing for some things that you don't have yet, you need to get with the program because that's what we do as Christians. We believe in things that we don't possess necessarily. We always ought to be believing for things. And uh, they've got to be based on the Word of God. So today, I want to finish our teaching with, with what I would call how to release your faith. Or how to release your faith. 
and I'll teach a little bit as much as I can. I mean, I have a whole series on, and we can't obviously do that here, uh, but I will just kind of focus on some certain parts of it. But if you're going to release your faith, that means you're going to believe God for something. There's a process that you go through, and I think we get too sloppy, and that's why sometimes things don't work for us. You can't just beg God or just run through here and, and expect God to just throw a blessing on you or get haphazard about it. We need to be more deliberate when it comes to believing God for things because God works through certain principles. He's very precise. You can see that in the, in the universe and in the solar systems, the, the galaxies, how pr precise these things are. So faith is not hard. Anybody can do it. But there are certain principles that we follow, and we need to be precise. You know, uh, if you own a car, and let's say you own, owned a car for five years, and your t name's on the title, you've paid the car off, you've taken care of that car, it stays at your house all the time, and everybody in your neighborhood knows that that's your car, did you know you still can't go get in that car and start it and drive off without the key? So, but, but, but this, everybody knows this is my car. I've been driving this car for five years. Now, I forgot my key. I'm asking you, just, just start up. I'll get it next time. Just start up and let's go. Let's dismiss with all these formalities. You're not supposed to protect the car from me. So unlock and let me in my car and let me get on my way. You, you, you can't do that. There are certain principles, keys, if you will, that have to be gone over every single time. And, and if you talk to professional athletes that are highly skilled in their, in, in their sport, they will tell you that they go through the basics. They go back to the basics. They go through the fundamentals over and over and over again because no matter how far you go, you still have to do certain things to get the right result. And so Christians can get very sloppy because, I mean, I know God. I've given this much money to God, and I've come to church every time the doors open, and I'm the most faithful Christian I know. In fact, I'm the greatest person I know. There's nobody <laughs> as great as me, and God loves me. And so I'm sure that, that whatever this need is is going to be fine because God's just going to do what he's got to do to get me where I'm supposed to go. Well, that's like trying to get in your car and drive without using the key. There are certain principles that have to be employed every time and there's no substitute for them it's very uh, it's wrong for us to try to substitute one principle for another and so uh, in the area of faith that is what we do grace is what god did and that was big expensive impossible he did it faith is what we do not really hard to do but must be done a certain way or we're not going to get the proper results does that make sense yeah. to you so, so, so uh, making it, you know, going back to the basics, we're not, we're not being legalistic uh, by doing so. We're not trying to make this into some sort of religious work. But the fact is, faith operates on certain principles that you have to use. Because if you don't use them, it just won't work for you. So if you want, if you're going to release your faith and... Uh, there are different ways to, to, to release faith. One is by prayer. Another, another is uh, by laying on of hands. Another is by anointing with oil. Another way you could do it is a prayer of agreement. But, uh, but let's just say we're going to pray for something. There are certain things that you need to have in place if you're going to pray for something and get an answer. Instead of just throwing a prayer out and looking around saying, well, I don't know why God didn't do that. We ought to be a little more interested than that yeah. if it's not working, you know. I don't think it's a good testimony. Uh, I, I think it was, uh, was it, uh, it was Charles Finney. He was a great evangelist in the 1800s, and he was a lawyer and very analytical. And uh, he went to church, and they prayed about everything. They were praying for everything. And uh, they asked him if he was interested, and he goes, no, I'm not. And they said, why? He said, because you, 
you pray for everything. And as far as I know, you've never gotten one thing. You've never gotten one answer to one prayer. Why would I want to join you? We ought to be better than that, shouldn't we? We ought to have a better record than that. I understand that there are times when we don't understand why things work out the way they do. But, but the Bible is so clear about asking God. And I went through all those scriptures where he says, ask me, ask me, what, what do you want? Ask me. There's so many of those promises that it, it ought to work. God's not saying, just ask me and we'll all just see what happens. Ask me and I'll decide whether I want to do it or not. It's not hit or miss. It should be a sure thing. And if we follow the principles in the Bible, then we can be assured of the answer to our prayers. Amen. Amen. And God's will for one is God's will for all. If God's will is healing, it's for everybody. If it's salvation, it's for everybody. You know, that, that eliminates these people who say, well, I guess you just pray. And if it happens, God, it was God's will. And if it doesn't, it wasn't. That's not how God works. We're supposed to do our homework and determine what the will of God is before. And then when we pray, we'll have a basis for our faith, a foundation to stand on, to fight from. Amen. So, so we can, I think most Christians need to slow down and not rush through it, the, the process of prayer, and actually prepare to pray the prayer of faith. And I, I believe they would see better results. So, so let me give you some, some principles, some points to do to release your faith. Number one, if you want to receive something, something from God, find a promise in the Bible that promises you the thing you desire. Find a promise. Find a word. Find something. Find God's will on it. And God made his will clear in his word. And, and really... If it's not in the Word, you, you probably don't need it. He covered everything pretty well. So, so uh, it, now faith is not just limited to God's Word in the Bible. That's our primary place. But at the same time, if God speaks to you to do something, uh, he told me one time to go to Arkansas. I didn't want to go, uh, but I obeyed him, and I went there. And the entire time I was there, he took care of me. He blessed me. But I was able to say, Lord, I didn't want to come here to begin with. You're the one that sent me here. You're going to have to meet every need. You're going to have to make sure I have a job. You're going to have to make sure my bills are paid. You're going to have to make sure that everything I need is here because I didn't want to come here. I told you this wasn't going to work. And you told me to come. I, I've come. And I had that to stand on because I knew God had spoken. So faith begins where God's will is known. And the primary place you're going to know his will is his word. So anybody can get a promise from God's word and believe it and, and, and allow that to be the seed, the foundation they build their prayer on. So it's important to meditate that promise. Don't rush through it. Here's a, a good scripture uh, about this very subject. Proverbs 4.20 says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Notice how many ways he's talking about we are to analyze the word and relate to the word of God. It is our basis for faith. It's not enough to intellectually just know a scripture. And have reference to that in your mind. Or have it memorized. This goes deeper than that. Can you see that? This goes deeper than that. You give attention to it. You, you, you incline your ear to it. You don't let them depart from your eyes. You keep them in the midst of your heart. And then Proverbs 4.20 in the New Living Translation says, My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Do not lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Now, now, this is important because in Mark eleven twenty three it says, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain and shall not doubt in his heart. Faith is of the heart. Amen. It's not of the head. Head faith and heart faith are not the same thing. So to have faith in your heart, you have to let the word penetrate deep into your heart. And he tells us to do it by, by giving attention to it, by listening to it. In other words, take time with it until you're convinced 
that, that this is the truth. This is God's word and God's will. If there's any doubt when you're praying for something, if there's any doubt in your mind that this might not be what God wants for you, but you want it so you don't care, that's going to undermine your faith. You need to know that when you pray the prayer of faith, you and God are in agreement. You need to know there will be enough opposition as it is. You need to know that you and God agree on this prayer. And, and in order to know what he thinks about it, you need to have a scripture, a promise in his word that confirms it. So uh, let them penetrate deep into your heart. If, if people try and pray the prayer of faith without allowing the word to penetrate or become a heartfelt conviction, then their faith is very limited. How many of you can see that this could be a problem when people are praying? That, that they, may not, they may be saying all the right things, but it may just be coming from here up. It may just be an intellectual thing, not a heart thing. You, you've really got to take the time and let that settle down in your heart. And you say, well, I just don't know if I'm able to do that. Anybody can do it. You just, it's, it's what you focus on. It's what you spend time looking at, listening to. And if you're struggling in some area and you'd like to see God do more in that area of your life, get the word of God on that area and begin to meditate on it and begin to confess it and begin to let it penetrate in your heart and that could be any area i've done this with love believe it or not the, the i've took second uh first corinthians 13 4 through 8 which is the love love is patient and kind i i i, I took those like medicine every day for months and 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 it and i needed it at the time and it really did something in my life in the area of love. Well, that's what the word does. It, you've, we've got to understand that, that, that it, there's more involved here than slipping into church, hearing somebody preach a message on love, and then you run out the door and say, I got it. I got that one. Well, you might have gotten that message, but there is some follow-up that's necessary in order for something, any message, to really impact your life. So, so get a promise from from God's word and and let it get down into your heart in other words your prayers based on this promise you're not just praying something that you've thought of something that you 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 want but there's also scripture backing it it's so important to have that when the fight comes because we're going to get to the point here. One of the points is believe that you receive when you pray. And you're going to have a hard time doing that if you're not sure it's God's will. And you don't have the word of God to go back to and say, God said this. God said this. God said this. God said this. And I, frankly, I don't think a lot of people are prepared for the fight that comes once you pray the prayer of faith and, and, and you're taking your stand in faith it's sometimes you have to stand a long time and we talked about that last night so <clears throat> you can you, you can go through the word uh, bless the lord O my soul psalm 103 verses 1 and 2 and forget not all his benefits so there's more than just one benefit there are many benefits in the kingdom of God <clears throat> and the ones that are going to work in your life are the ones you believe for the ones you believe in and the ones you have the word of God on um, <clears throat> nothing nothing substitutes for the word of God now emotion some people try to substitute emotion for the word, they, they try to pray harder and they try to pray longer. They pr try to pray louder. Did you know that doesn't make your prayer work any better? But they have so little to go on that they're going to try to do it in emotion. And, and so they don't have the word of God. When you have the word of God, you have assurance. And you can stand there and build your case on facts, on truth. But, but some people want to want to pull emotion and use that. And some people want to have a feeling. They want to pray till they feel something. Have you seen that? Maybe you've been there. I have. 
Oh, God. You know, I, I prayed with a pastor one time. He, uh, we were traveling in our motorhome and, um, with my family, and I was having a meeting in his church. My motorhome was parked right outside the church for the week. So I would go into the church to pray every day. And the pastor one, one every morning, and he wanted to pray with me. So he met me in there, and we prayed together. And, and so uh, I'm praying. I pray in the Spirit. I pray in tongues. And if you don't believe in that, then, um, it's, I, you know, you might think I'm weird. But like Andrew says, I think you're weird. So, <laughs> so I pray in tongues because and, and, I pray a long time. And, and, and so I was in there praying in tongues. But you can't help but hear him. And, and, and for the life of me, I don't know why, but... He spent the whole hour, hour and a half, and here was his prayer. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. And that was a little distracting, you know. It was distracting. And then when he got to that point, he'd start over. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. And I'm trying to pray. And then again, oh, God. Oh, God. So, and I thought about that. If, if I was God, and I'm not, but if I was God, what can you do with that prayer? It's like, how do you answer that? It's like, uh, what? What? Yes? You, at, you rang? <laughs> Don't put so much pressure on yourself. Did you know that some of the best prayers are short and sweet? Just short because it doesn't take any time to convince God. And if you can get yourself convinced, then you're both in agreement to begin with, and you can just pray, and you can go about your business. But, but people want to get themselves all tuned up and feel a certain way, and then their prayers are going to reach heaven. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but all those pitiful prayers are reaching heaven. Every bit of, God hears everything. He hears everything. He's God, you know. He's better than Alexa. <laughs> you know, I got those Alexa things all over my house. I love it. I can walk into a room and play music, worship music just like that. And somebody said, aren't you afraid that they're listening? I said, man, if they're listening, they're bored out of their minds. We're not talking about national secrets in our home. I mean, I don't. And then half the time, I'm praying in tongues. I'm sure that's no fun. <laughs> they, they don't know what I'm saying unless God gives them the interpretation, and I don't think he's going <laughs> to. <Anyway. laughs> don't put so much pressure on yourself to feel a certain way. Get in agreement with God. Do it in a, in a logical, and God is a very uh, principle. He's very precise. His laws work. So get into his work and get in agreement with God before you pray. Then the way you do that is you see his word. And if you don't believe it, uh, as I said, you could take 500 people and say, God wants to prosper you. And 450 of them would go, yes, but. They're not in agreement with that. You need to work through that. Don't try to pray until you work through that, until you get that deep in your heart and you know that this is God's will, this is God's promise. Now, I might not have any money, and it may not be uh, uh, evident in my life, and there may be no proof of it, but God said it, and that's where you have to, to start. What did God say? What did God say? And if you don't have that promise to base your prayer on, then the entire process is, is, is empty. It's not going to work. God didn't promise just to, to take all of your imaginations and just give them to you. He, he wants to work according to his word. John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will and it will be done for you. 
That's one of the greatest uh, filters that you can find when it comes to the prayer of faith. He's saying, I'm going to give you what you want as long as you're in agreement with me. And did you know you're a new creation? Did you know that you have the desires of God in your heart already? Did you know that God can trust you now? That's why the prayer of faith wasn't announced in the Old Testament. They weren't new creations. They didn't have the Spirit of God living in them. They didn't have a new nature. He couldn't tell them. They were like criminals. You don't tell a criminal, whatever you want, just ask me and I'll give it to you. You would never tell a criminal that. They were unsaved people. They were, they were sinners like we all were before we got saved. God never told them, whatever you want, you can have. But he got us born again. He put his spirit in us. We're just like him on the inside. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. And he says, look, if you'll get my word in you and, and, and whatever you want... I trust you. I trust your desires. And if you want it, I want it. If I want it, you want it. We're alike. So, so, so uh, let my words abide in you. Then in James, he says, you know, you have not because you ask not because you ask amiss that you may consume it on your flesh. That's gr- a great balance, isn't it? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it will be done. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. But on the other hand, James says, there are times that you ask amiss that you may consume it on your lusts and it's not answered. Why? It was a desire of the flesh and God never said he was going to give you the desires of your flesh. See, all this stuff needs to be worked through before you come to prayer. Rather than just running in there and saying, God, I need help. Well, I guess he's not going to help me today. I'll be back tomorrow. That, that's not how we're, we're supposed to uh, do a little bit of homework and work through all this and know exactly what God wants, what we want, and know that it's scriptural, and then we're ready to pray the prayer of faith. Nothing takes the place of the Word of God when it comes to faith. And I'm just going to go back where I was the last service. Now, I asked the last service, who was the most spiritual service, the 8 a.m. or the 10 a.m.? Well, that, that's, not what, that's not what they said. Now, I don't want to make you angry with them, but they got the double blessing. I don't know what to say. Now, there's more. But, but praying without the word of God is like trying to have a harvest without planting a seed. You can go through all the motions. You can do everything right. You can have the best ground in town. You can keep the weeds out and keep it watered. But if you haven't planted the seed, then the the germ of life to make this whole thing work is not there. God provides the seed. Did you know God provided seeds for the earth? We didn't do that. We plant them. We make them work. But God seeded the earth with seeds. Rather than giving the world a, a, a huge warehouse full of food that we could eat on for 6,000 years, God said, I'll just give you seeds, and you can decide how much food you want to grow. And if you plant it, I'll just multiply it back to you. And if you just want to hold on to the seeds, that's fine. If you want to eat your seeds, then you could do that too. But you won't have much of a harvest if you eat your seeds. So he put all that in our hands. But so and without the seed, without putting the seed in the ground, you're not going to have the harvest. So praying without a promise is like trying to plant a garden with no seeds. It's not going to produce. And all the emotion in the world doesn't take the place of that seed. Oh, I feel him. I feel him. That's fine, but if you want to harvest, you better plant a seed. (laughs) You could go out in your garden and run all over the place and go, it feels like green beans out here. Woohoo! Ow! And guess what? You ain't going to have green beans just because you did a little green bean dance. (laughs) Nothing wrong with a green bean dance. You you see what I'm saying? I love the emotion. I'm Pentecostal. We love to feel God. But if you want to harvest, you got to plant a seed. Don't forget that part because you'll be disappointed 
come harvest time, you're going to be like, but I did the green bean dance. I felt God all over me. Why do I not have a harvest? Just one little thing. You forgot to plant the seed. So plant the seed, then shout and jump and dance and, and have fun and enjoy life, but plant the seed. Or if you're more reserved, plant the seed and then just go get on your device or whatever you do. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's not all this outward stuff that makes that happen. It's, the, it's the, the supernatural quality of a seed. And nobody can explain to anybody how a little seed can do what it does. God did that. But, but, but it's very important that you put it in the right place. You know, isn't that the most unusual thing? You, seeds are probably the most valuable commodity on our planet, if you think about it, even more than gold, because you can't eat gold. <laughs> seeds are, are, are probably the most important commodity. There, there's a place in way up north, I forget where it is, but it's like a seed uh, warehouse where these people, that they're afraid that, you know, Armageddon's going to happen and, and a nuclear explosion going to ruin the, the world's seeds. So they've saved one of everything. It's like a Noah's Ark for seeds. Because people realized, man, if we, if we run out of seeds, we've had it. I mean, you can have a forest fire and you, you can have crop failure, but if you run out of seeds, you got no future. <laughs> So if you were to take a seed, and that's why my, my ministry is so hard to explain. I just teach, and that's like I'm throwing seeds out. And if, you'd, if you were to take a handful of seeds and say, you know what? This is the most valuable commodity on the planet. Without this, we would all die. And you go, wow, this is kind of ugly. It's not very colorful. Have you ever noticed seeds are just kind of bland? Say, okay, so what do I do with this thing? Do I put it in my mouth? Do I throw it up in the air? Put it in a test tube? What do I do? You go out in the backyard. Yes. And you, and you, you turn over the soil and you make a furrow. Okay, I got it. And you put that down in there and you cover it up and step on it. <laughs> you mean like we do with garbage? We just dig a hole and bury it. Yeah. And then what do I do? Just water it. And then what happens? You're going to have harvest. Really? How does that make any sense? There is nothing spectacular about farming. And there is nothing flashy about seeds. But without them, you can't have a harvest and without them, we would die. We're so attracted to the performance and the feeling of Christianity. And I love the Holy Ghost. Don't get me wrong. And, and you can feel him on your flesh uh, sometimes. He likes that. God loves people. But we can't overlook the supernatural just for the spectacular. If you really want answers and you want real results... You need to learn how to plant the seeds of faith, stand on the word of God, and allow that to produce a harvest in your life. And, and he'll do it right along with your personality. If you like to shout and dance, if you don't like that, it doesn't matter. If you want, but, if, but if you'll plant that seed, you'll practice the principle of faith, it'll work for you. And there's nothing else that will take the place of that seed. How, how shall, here's what Paul said. How shall they believe in whom they've not heard. Well, they can't. So they're done for. The, the, those people cannot believe because they have not heard the word of God. But if you turn that around and introduce the word of God, now you've got all the ingredients necessary for a miracle. Value the word of God. Value the promises of God. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that, that there is a promise that came from heaven to earth about healing. Amen. Aren't you? Yeah. The healing word has come. 
It's kind of like it's kind of like plant life on the that you know you could burn a forest to the ground and in a year or two it's already sprouting back. You could try to rid the world of all plant life, but you would never succeed. Why? Because seeds are here, and what the plant life can't do, the seeds will redo. God chose to seed the earth with plants, but let me tell you something. He also seeded the world with his word so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth it shall not return into me void but it will accomplish that which i please and prosper in the thing whereto i sent it and the devil can rant and rage and he can try to kill every human being with disease and pandemics but the healing word has come you can kill the messenger but you'll never rid the world of the healing word the word could lay dormant for a thousand years and a believer could pick it up and say by his stripes we are healed and healing is back in force there's no way to get rid of it the salvation word has come the healing word has come the victory word has come and nobody can get rid of it the earth is filled with the word of God and all it takes is one believer to get one promise and revolution can be. Do you know that actually happened? The world went through the dark ages where the word of God was locked up into the monasteries and the, the, uh, in, into the churches. And it was written in the language that the people couldn't understand. It was a dark time. Dark ages. And one little word floated over one of those church walls and landed in the heart of a man named Martin Luther and the word was the just shall live by faith and the seed sprouted <laughs> and the reformation changed the world poor devil if you've ever tried to keep weeds from growing in a garden then you have a small taste of what it might be like to be the devil and try to stop the word of God from taking root in the world. And I can tell you, in Faith Hill Church, he's just let it go. He said, I can't. Have you ever had a garden? I've had a garden like that before. <laughs> like, like you tried to start a garden and the weeds kept coming and you go, I'm just going to forget it this year. It's done. It's just completely overtaken. I believe the devil does that with some churches. We get a hold of so much word. He's like, I just can't keep pulling weeds. I can't keep doing it. Just let it go. Hallelujah. Poor devil. You can't stop this. The victory word has come down from heaven and the world is seated with victory by faith the world has been seated with the salvation word the baptism and the holy spirit all of these things are promises that came from god to us no substitute for them yeah but i felt something i don't want to know what you felt I want to know what you're believing. What are you believing? Because I've felt things too. <laughs> I got to tell my story. Can I tell it again? I, I feel like some of you have heard it before. and There's no substitute for God's word. When I was a little boy, I got saved. I, I really had an experience with God and I felt the joy of God, prayed until I felt his power, and I just knew something had happened in my life, and I didn't know any, any, any truth. I just knew I wanted to, to go to heaven. I wanted to know God, and so <clears throat> I felt like the way to get saved, because this is what happened to me, I went in my bedroom, and I cried out to God. I'd done something wrong, and <laughs> I felt bad, and I said, God, forgive me. I, I want to be forgiven, and I felt God. I felt his power, and I began to cry, and felt his, his goosebumps or whatever. And I knew something changed in my life. So every, every night then, I would go back to my bed. It was time to go to bed. And I'd pray and try to feel that again. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And some nights, I'd feel it again. I'd say, 
I'm saved. I just love God. I just I feel his presence. And the next night I go, and I, I didn't feel like I'd done my job if I hadn't prayed and felt the power of God. Well, I, kept, I started feeling it less and less. That's a lot of pressure. For a seven-year-old. <laughs> so, so as time went on, I began to think, well, I don't feel anything. And since I didn't have any scripture, I just let the devil... Tell me, you're not even saved. And I thought, well, I don't feel saved. I don't look saved. And I prayed, and I don't feel God. And then I went to a Baptist church. I wasn't a Baptist, but I visited this Baptist church. And I'm going to tell you, that pastor scared the devil out of me. It was an evangelist. He was a visiting speaker, and he preached on hell. And I was not prepared for what I heard that day about hell. He talked about how hot hell was. And he talked about how long eternity was. And he talked about how if you don't, if you're not saved, you're going to go to hell forever and forever. <laughs> and you know one forever is enough, but he added the second one for effect, I guess. I mean, how many forevers do you need? Forever is forever. But it sounds better if you say forever and forever. In hell. And it just scared the fire out of me. And so I went home determined to get saved. I knew I, I thought, I do not want to go to hell forever and forever. I want to be saved. I want to get right with God. And I would pray my heart out, God, please save me. I want to be saved. And the, that evangelist, he, I remember that sermon 50 years later, he said, he said uh, uh, as, the, as the lightning shines from the east to the west, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. And well, my bedroom window was on the east. So while I'm praying, God, save me. Oh, Lord, save me. I've got my eye on that window, and I'm waiting to see that lightning because I don't want to go to hell. And, I, and I'm asking God, please save me. I don't feel you. I don't feel saved. I must not be saved. And, and, and then he said, and the trumpet shall sound. And I, um, when I got a little older, we had band. And, and I uh, signed up for the trumpet because I didn't know what a trumpet sounded like. And I wanted to know what a trumpet sounded like so that when the Lord came, I could run and get a head start. I don't want to go to hell. I was in a terrible state. I prayed and prayed. I wanted to feel something. I wanted to see some, some way to know I'm saved. That's important. And you know that little children's prayer? I'm sure you prayed it here. But it, everything scared me. The, now I lay me down to sleep. Did you all hear that prayer? It goes like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake... And I'm like nine years old thinking, wait a minute, you mean, do you mean if I go to sleep, I didn't know there was a possibility that I could die tonight. So you're telling me I could die and now you want me to go to sleep. No, I'm not sleeping. I don't want to die and go to hell. And then the rest of the prayer was, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Like that's not sure either. So by the time you get done praying the prayer, you see yourself dying and going to hell. And so, and so uh, the, the pressure was on. One night, I was in my bed praying and uh, pr praying that God would save me. And I wasn't get, making any progress. I didn't know how to believe the word. I was looking for something to believe. But I didn't know how important it was to believe the Bible. And um, so I'm, I'm, I'm praying and keeping my eye on the window. I'm going to see that lightning. And, and, and listening for the trumpet. And some, somebody got a new horn uh, for their car. <laughs> and while they were practicing it at 9 o'clock, at 10 o'clock at night, and, and the horn, actually, it played Dixie. But I didn't stay in bed long enough to know the rest of the song. I'm praying, God save me. And I heard... And I was up and out of there. I ran to my mother because I thought she can save me from hell maybe. 
And by the time I got in the kitchen, it went. I thought, I don't think the Lord would play Dixie. <laughs> the bird, you want me to tell about the bird? So I slide to a stop in the kitchen, and I'm white as a ghost, and my mother turns around and sees me. And she says, what are you doing? I said, nothing. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. She looked at me, and she said, you thought that horn was Jesus, didn't you? You thought Jesus was coming back. <laughs> Needless to say, it's hard to go to sleep after you think you're going to hell that night. It was a very difficult night for me. <laughs> so I was out camping with a friend. We were just little boys, and um, we were looking at the stars, and it's all I could think about. And I looked at Alan, my friend, and I said, Alan, you know, you get, you kind of get philosophical when you're looking at stars, even if you're kids. I said, Alan, I just want to know I'm going to heaven. I just want to know I'm saved. I just want to know that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. And I just don't know that. I don't know how anybody can know that. And Alan, with all the compassion he had, he looked at me and he said, well, Greg, he said, of all, the, all my friends, I, I'm just sure you're saved. Out of all the friends I have, I'm, I'm sure you're saved and you're going to go to heaven. And, and, and uh, I appreciated his sympathy. But even as a little boy, I thought, that's not going to do me a lot of good when I'm standing before God. <laughs> and, and I go, but Alan thinks I'm saved. <laughs> God's not going to go, oh, well, if Alan thinks you're saved, then you should go straight to heaven. No, that's not how that works. You can't base your faith on the word of another person. That didn't give me any relief because at least I knew that, that Alan's word wasn't going to save me. And, and, and that, my, that my prayers weren't working, that, that sometimes I felt saved, but most of the time I felt lost. And so I thought I was lost. And, and, and so uh, uh, we would visit different churches, and, and they'd have invitations, and I'd go to the front. I did it about three times. I'd go to the front, and I'd pray, oh, God, and I'd feel God. You know, it's in a church, and I'd feel the anointing, and I'd just cry. And, and it happened about three times. The church elders visiting, our church didn't preach that, so we had to visit. And so uh, it happened, and the, and the church elders would come and shake my hand and say, congratulations, you're saved. And I go, I know, and it's so good to be saved. I'm, I'm so, I've been trying for so long, I appreciate it. And, and then I'd go home, and in about three days, I'd lose that feeling. And I'd start praying again, God, I'm not saved. The devil would tell me, you're not saved. You don't look saved. Do you look saved? No. You don't feel saved. Do you feel saved? I'd go, no. You don't act saved. You just hit your sister. That's not very Christian-like. I know it. I know. I got a beating for that. I'm going straight to hell. I'm not going to make it. And, and, and it just went on and on like this. I did that about three times, and I'd feel saved for a few days, and then I'd lose it. And then I heard this guy on Christian TV. He was giving his testimony. And he said that, that uh, he cried out to the Lord, and he said the power of God came on him, and his whole body tingled, and he felt the power of God hit him in the head, go right through his body and right out of his feet. And he said, I was gloriously saved. And I said, I knew it. I knew it. I have never been gloriously saved. Absolutely not. I've never felt God's power. It's never gone through me. I am going to hell. God, save me. I need to be gloriously saved. Lord, save me. Save me. Save me. Does anybody understand why? I'm telling you that there is no substitute for the Word of God. You can waste a lot of time and effort and emotion by trying to substitute something for the Word of God. And so I went home and, and, and continued my, my quest and woke up. This really happened. I woke up in the middle of the night, 
eyes wide open. My body is tingling all over. I felt the power of God hit me in the head, go right through my body and right out my feet. And I thought, I just got gloriously saved. I feel saved. I'm saved. And, and, I, and I felt so good. I fell back asleep with a smile on my face. I thought, I'm waiting so long for this. You know, that didn't even last three days. By the time I woke up the next morning, I didn't feel anything, and I thought, boy, that's gone. I'm just as lost as ever. You can't get saved on a feeling. That's not faith. So, so uh, Billy Graham came to our area and had a big crusade about two hours away. Our whole family drove to this crusade. Billy Graham preached the great salvation message, which he was famous for. And thousands of people came down to receive Jesus, and my family was included. We all walked down to this, this, the field. They had the stadium, and then you'd have the altar call in the field. Uh, whether it was football or baseball or whatever and we walked down on the field and somebody was there a counselor he took us our whole family my mom and dad and two sisters and me and and he explained the sinner's prayer and salvation he prayed with us and he 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 congratulated us gave us a little booklet and um and and we all got saved right there at the billy graham crusade and so we got in the car after it was all over to drive back home it was like a two-hour drive and everybody's happy i mean my whole family's just glowing with the, with the presence of god and i'm sitting in the back seat i said y'all feel pretty good don't you huh? feel saved do you i said you better hope that jesus comes back in the next three days because that feeling is gone in three days. And sometimes it doesn't even last three days. So we're all saved now, but I've been here before. This does not last. And sure enough, in three days, I had lost it. I didn't have it. I thought, I don't look saved. I don't feel saved. Sometimes I don't act saved. I'm not. There is no way. And I'm praying God save me. About three months later, the phone rang in our house, and I answered it. And this gentleman on the other end said, I'm from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and I'm looking for Greg Fritz. I said, well, that's me. And, you know, the odd thing is I don't think he called anybody else in our family, but he called for me, and I happened to be there and answered the phone. And this is before cell phones. Yeah, some of us lived before cell phones. <laughs> that just means that it was a real high percentage that I wouldn't answer or have gotten that call. He called, and it rang in the kitchen, and I answered it. I happened to be home, and he said who he was, and he says, I see here that you came to the crusade. I said, yes, I did. He said, I see here that you came forward. I said, yes, I did. He said, I see here that you got saved at the crusade, and I'm just calling to congratulate you and, uh, and ask you, how, how, how do you like being saved? I said, that's a long story. <laughs> yes, I came forward. Yes, I prayed. No, I'm not saved. I can't be saved for more than two or three days. It just doesn't work for me. And so right now, no, I, I'm not saved. Man, I thought my problem was so big that nobody could solve it. And he said, he said this. He said, well, let me ask you a question. If God said you were saved, would you believe God? <laughs> I said, of course, I would believe God. That's what I've been waiting for. I mean, he's free to appear to me at any time and tell me I'm saved or ding me on that. Whatever God does, you know, I'm waiting for something like this to happen. An angel would be fine. Just somebody, except Alan, would tell me that I'm saved because I don't believe Alan anyway. I need something like that. And he said, well, if God, you'd believe God if God said you were saved. I said, certainly I'd believe God, of course. He said, well, the Bible says, and I thought, oh, brother, he's going to preach to me. All I need is another message. I've heard so many messages, but he had exactly what I needed. He said, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, he said, do you believe that? I said, of course I believe that. I've believed that all my life. I know Jesus died on a cross and God raised him from the dead. I, yeah, I believe that. He said, well, it goes on to say, 
and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. He said, have you done that? I said, of course I've done it. I did it at your crusade. You know what they do at those crusades. I said, I do it nearly every night. I've done it, I've done it in churches. I, yes, I've confessed Jesus is Lord. And he said, well, it goes on to say, you shall be saved. And the Bible is God speaking. And God said you're saved. And if God says you're saved, you must be saved. And I said, read that again. I did. I said, read it again. I needed to hear it one more time. Because it's like, oh, oh, it's getting down in my heart there. He said, he said the, the Romans 10, 9 says, if you can, uh, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Do you believe that? I said, yeah, I do. I believe it. And he says, and then it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. Have you done that? I said, yeah, I've done it. I told you I did it. He said, you want to do it right now? I said, sure, let's just do it right now. And he led me in a sinner's prayer right there on the phone. And I confessed that Jesus was my Lord and Savior. And I confessed that I believed that God raised him from the dead. And he says, amen. And he says, now. The Bible is God speaking to you. And the Bible says you shall be saved. And if God says you're saved, you must be saved. I hung up the phone in a daze. And I went around for two or three days going, I must be saved. I must be saved. I mean, God said I'm saved. If God says I'm saved, I must be saved. I must be saved. I'm saved. And then the lies come. You don't feel saved. Yeah, but God said I'm saved. If God said I'm saved. Well, you don't look saved. Yeah, but God said I'm saved. I must be saved. And do you know from that day to this, I have never, ever doubted my salvation again. I could have the worst day on earth. And I never go home and go, I must be going to hell now. I have lost everything. This is it. Never, never. That will never happen. Why? Because I got that. I got it. It's mine. I believe it. I would never let go of that. That's faith. So you can see how much time and effort somebody can waste without a promise. I, I, was, I, I meant well, and I wanted the right thing, and God wanted to give it to me. I just didn't have a promise because our church didn't do that. They didn't give you a promise, and somehow it had escaped me. In the other churches, you know, the, the sower sows the word, and it was sown on stony ground, and, and, and immediately it was wiped in my experience. But when that guy from Billy Graham called, the word went in, and I kept it, and it, and it produced in my life. And with the Bible says you're born again by the incorruptible seed of God's word. Isn't that a powerful thing? That, that we can get salvation through his word. That in fact, all the blessings of God are, are represented in the Bible in seed form. They're all there in words. There's no, there's no warehouse on earth somewhere where all the salvation is stored and you got to ship it from there to get it wherever you need it. All you do is you take the seed. You take the seed with you. If I take the salvation seed, I can go to any place in the world and teach them what, what the gospel is and they can get what I have. They can have what you have. I don't have to take salvation. I just take the salvation word. Where the process breaks down it's when people try to get the blessing without the word, without the seed. It doesn't work. It wasn't designed to work that way. So if we work it the way it's supposed to, it works like seed time and harvest, magically. But if you leave out the seed, you can be very frustrated. Hallelujah. Now, so, so, so there are certain things that you can't get from the seed because there's no seeds for it. So you just can't make up things. Go to the Word of God and find out what God's will is because, because the seed will produce whatever it is. And that's why some churches preach salvation very hard and very strong, and they get people saved. But they don't believe in healing, and nobody gets healed. And they think... 
Healing's been done away with. Why? Because we don't have it in our church, and nobody loves God like we do. I mean, we love God, and we've been loving God longer than the charismatics. We were here first. You know, Baptists go all the way back to John the Baptist. I, I don't know. Where they go Whatever. We were here first. We love God, and if God was going to do these things, he'd surely do it here in our church. No, not necessarily. Every seed produces after its kind. If you plant salvation, you're going to have a salvation harvest. But don't expect anything else if you're planting salvation. Does that make sense to you? So us charismatics, we plant a lot more than that. You know, when I first got spirit-filled, man, I got, I got saved and I got filled with the spirit. And then they told me about healing. I said, I'll take it. And I told me about what tongues and, and, and healing and prosperity. I said, I'll take it. I'll take it. And I'm putting all this in my garden. And the funny thing is, is people got mad about that. Because all they had in their garden was salvation. Now, if all you want to plant is salvation in your garden, that's up to you. But don't come over here to my garden. That'd be like if you plant, if you plant green beans in your garden and that's all you plant, that's what you're going to have. Yeah. Well, don't, well don't, don't say that, that corn and tomatoes passed away with the last apostle <laughs> just because all you have is green beans. That's all you planted. So what they'll do is come to your garden and say, that's not for today. Hey, stay out of my garden. <laughs> Just deal with your own garden. If I want prosperity and healing, if I want to believe that God still does miracles today, I'm going to have that in my garden and you stay out of it. Amen. God doesn't love us any more than anybody else. We just have more variety of seeds. And if you want to continue to expand, go first and get the seed. Find out what God's word says about it. And then you can have that in your life just like you have salvation. As we said last night, your faith doesn't have to stop at salvation. At going to heaven when you die. Or the fact that God created the heavens and the earth. You can believe some things here that God promised if you choose to do it. Oh, I have a whole teaching on. Uh, it's called What You Hear Can Change Your Life Forever. And it's on Mark chapter 4. On the sower who sows the word. So the sower sows the word and it's up to the ground, the, the people, to decide what's going to be produced in their life. I can't make someone accept God's word and make someone get saved and accept that promise, but I can present it. And then they can do what they want with it. I want to be good ground that produces some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. That's the ground I want to be. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Mm. It has been so good to be here. I was telling Tafara and, and Shippo, you know, uh, I've spent months and months, about a year in 2020, just um, gathering this information and studying it, organizing it, putting it into series. I go to my media room and I make an audio series. It's just me and a microphone. Can you imagine? I just sit up there and talk to a microphone and taught all this stuff out. And then I'll go to my TV show, sit in front of a camera, teach all this stuff out. I have all these notes. I'm creating all these, these series. And, and I'm just sitting at home because I couldn't travel. So I've been able now to get out with, with people like you and teach these things, and it's like, I knew that was good. I knew it was good, but there wasn't anybody in my media room to get it, but, but it's like I've been sitting on it for all these months, and man, is it fun to get it out and to see your reaction. It has just been a joy to be here, and uh, these things are being made into books. We're going to do that too, and, but they're on video and audio. And, uh, but, but it's just been a new season for me to do all that. Talk about faith. I kept making more products, and I hadn't sold the last ones. For, for 13 months, I made 13 series in 13 months. And, and, and nobody bought one of them because <laughs> I, I wasn't going out. I've got seven right now that are just ready to be released. They're sitting at home. 
uh, I did all that um, over and over and over and over and over because I believe the people are coming. I believe the people, are, and, they, and they're going to need somebody simple like me to introduce them to the basic principles of the Word of God. So I just sat there and taught just as simply as I could, thinking one of these days somebody's going to hear this, and they're going to be like I was when I didn't know how to get saved, and I learned how to get saved, and how I was when I wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then I learned how to receive the Holy Spirit. It's going to happen all again. You and I are laborers. Are you ready? The, the people are coming. The people are coming. God spoke that to me in 2017 when I started all this because I kept saying, why do we need all this material? And he said, the people are coming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah, it's, it's a new season for me in my ministry. God's changing my life, my ministry. And I'm here because when Tafara invited me, I thought, they are part of my new season. The, I'm losing relationships because they, don't, they can't make the transition. It's just like I just can't go there anymore. I just can't do that anymore. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm here now, and I'm looking for who, who, who do I connect with. And I believe that these people, uh, your leaders, you, Faith Hill Church, is part of my new season. And that's really why. You know, there's so many places that I just, I just know in my heart, don't go there anymore. And so when he invited me and something leapt on the inside, I thought, finally, someplace I can go. Some people I can be with. And I have been just overjoyed. This is better than I even thought it would be. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Amen. And if you're interested, uh, I told the first service the same thing. Uh, we have a lot of our materials on our website are free. Uh, the, the streaming audio video and the downloadable audio, we have so, so many of those uh, messages are free. We're always offering uh, more free stuff. But it's enough stuff to keep you fed along these lines. And, uh, I mean, you can get fed other places, and you should. But, uh, man, we put a lot of effort into producing and providing this content. So if you like what you got this week, uh, go to my website, and we can connect that way until I come again. Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. We hope you. this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. We